everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Book Squad Goals. Hello. I am Kelly. Uh, I have a cat named Penelope, and on my desk I have a tin that has two bunnies on it that were married at some point, I guess. <laughs> Aww. That's adorable. That's very tender. Happy bunnies. Who are you people? Um, I am Mary. I have two cats, Edward and Petrina. Petrina with a P, not Katrina like a hurricane. And currently, I am in a room with several strange dolls <laughs> in my parents' home. I am Emily. Uh, I have two cats. One is named The P, and one is named The C. <laughs> For their other names, you can check our website. <laughs> and um, I, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I'm really tired today because I hardly got any sleep last night because, you know, grading and finals and um, all that good stuff. So, yay, Woo-hoo. school. We'll let you know if Emily falls asleep during. <laughs> yeah, I might. <laughs> right, we'll P will take over if you fall asleep. Yeah. He is an, an official squad member, mm-hmm. so he yeah is, he can jump right in, and he read the book, so he's ready to go. Hi, I'm Susan, and I have three <laughs> dogs: Hattie, Mabel, and Roger. That is reverse age order, and I currently have a sprained ankle. Uh, it looks yeah. We we all got to see a picture. It of looks it. it looks pretty uh, gnarly, but it's looking cool as it's healing. Yeah, I was going to say, it looks badass, really. Yeah, but yeah, go yeah ahead. the lady at TJ Maxx today, I like limped up to the counter with my boot on. And she was like, oh, I'd hate to see the other guy. <laughs> well, it was the road. <laughs> That's a good joke. <laughs> and though. the road won. So. <laughs> yeah. I thought the road and the road won. Yeah. Uh, so, this week... We are discussing the novel White Teeth by Zadie Smith, which was my selection. So I'm going to take uh, the credit as well as the fall, depending on how we felt about this. <laughs> and we really haven't talked about it outside of the podcast yet. You know, like sometimes no. we'll text each other and say, oh, I'm liking it or not liking it. But I don't think we've really talked about it much. Yeah, I, we I, I texted Kelly feels. about it a little bit. Yeah. I texted Kelly about it. Yeah. You guys have your own separate message always. It's like yeah. You're she texted me to be like, Kelly, why? I hate them. you. Just well, kidding. yeah. Usually we have our own separate message because we're fighting. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's like just for arguments that we don't want to involve you guys in. It's like we're your parents and we're like, yeah. don't let the <laughs> kids hear. Protect the children. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to have our own message about how much you guys fight. Mom and dad are always <laughs> fighting. <laughs> Um, yeah. Which is appropriate to say mom and dad are always fighting. Because. Because. Because there's a lot of parental fighting and white teeth. Wait, wait, wait. We we are jumping, We're jumping ahead. Here. I get too to. excited and try to segue early every time. That's God, really Mary. I was for it. <laughs> Let Kelly do her thing. Yeah, I'm going to introduce the book now. So I'm going to do that. Um, all right. <laughs> Um, The debut novel of then 23-year-old Zadie Smith, White Teeth, was published in 2000. The book won multiple honors, including the 2000 Whitbread Book Award, which I consistently read as white bread in my head, which is strange. Um, In the category Best First Novel, the Guardian First Book Award, the Commonwealth Writers First Book Prize, 
and the Betty Trask Award, and Time Magazine included the novel in its Time 100 Best English Language Novels from 1923 to 2005. Ooh la la. Um, yeah, so lots of, lots of accolades. Um, and she was 23 years old when she wrote it, which is, like, shocking to me. I did not know yeah. that until I was putting this together, and I'm like, what? <laughs> but anyway, um, white teeth. I hate her. <laughs> I know. I'm like, like, yeah, screw like her. what have I done with my life? It's yeah. so unfair. Um, Adele is younger than me too. That's like <laughs> <sighs> okay. White Teeth is the story of two North London families, one headed by Archie Jones, a working class ordinary Englishman, the other by Archie's best friend, a Muslim Bengali named Samad Iqbal, which hopefully I'm pronouncing his name right. Uh, that's how I'm going to go for it. Do you guys think that's correct? Or Yeah, well, yeah, they, when Archie sure. says it throughout the book, it's spelled I-C-K-B-A-L-L. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Yeah. It's Iqbal or something close to it. Yeah. Um, so, pals, since they served together in World War II, Archie and Samad are a decidedly unlikely pair. Um, plotting Archie is typical in every way until he marries Clara, a beautiful, toothless Jamaican woman half his age. And the couple have a daughter named Eerie. Do you guys think Irie. that's... Irie. Irie. Mm-hmm. Irie. Okay. The couple have a daughter named Irie, the Jamaican word for it, no problem. Um, devoutly Muslim Samad weds the feisty and always suspicious Alsana in a prearranged union. <laughs> they have twin sons named Milat and Majid. Um... One, a pot-smoking punk cum militant. Is it cum or cum? Eh. I don't know. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's probably one, cum, but people are scared to say cum. You know what I mean? Oh. I'm not, I'm not afraid to say cum. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> um, punk cum militant Muslim. And the other, an insufferable science nerd. I find that offensive. I took this... Um, Description from Goodreads, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) The riotous and tortured histories of the Joneses and the Iqbals are fundamentally intertwined, capturing an empire's worth of cultural identity, history, and hope. So, um, I guess we're just going to start off with our initial reactions like we have done in the past. Um, So I'll go first because this was my selection, Um, which I really, really liked this book a lot. I would say I loved it. I almost loved it. It's not going to be on, like, my list of favorite books of all time, but, like, I really super enjoyed it. I thought it was really funny. Um, Something that I really like in books – I mean, my favorite thing about reading is, like, character um, and character development. So, like, for me, this is, like, the perfect book because it's, like, the most important thing in this story is, like, these different characters and how, like – you know, they change and and or don't change throughout um, the timeline of the book and how they relate to each other and all these relationships and all this complicated drama going on. And it was just, like, super fun for me to read. So, uh, yeah, I loved it. How many stars does it get? Um, How many stars is Goodreads? Five? Five. I'm going to give it four. Four okay. stars. I would give this book three stars um, because... I found it really difficult to get through. I actually started listening to the audiobook of it and got about like uh, a third of the way through and realized like I had no idea what was going oh, no. on because like I just couldn't pay attention to it. So I bought the book uh, 
a paperback copy of the book so I could start over again. So then I started the book from the beginning all over again. Um, <laughs> and yeah, as I was reading, I was like, yeah, I don't remember like most of this stuff. <laughs> I, I, I finished the first chapter and I was like, they got married in the first chapter? I didn't even know. Um, so, yeah, uh, I I just, like, had a really hard time getting into this book, like, even as I was reading it. Um, and I don't know, like, if, like, as I said, I just got through with finals. It's that time of the year for me. So maybe this was just, like, not the book for me to be reading right now. Just, like, so. one more thing to do. Yeah, it felt like just one more thing to do. It was always a chore. I was never like, oh, I can't wait to find out what's happening with those characters. Um, I'm giving it a three rather than something lower because I do feel like, um, like objectively speaking, the book is well written. Um, there, there are a lot of really funny moments in it. Um, and there were parts where I was like, okay, I'm finally getting into this. All right. But then it would like go away. Um, and in response to Kelly's comment about the characters, I actually had a really hard time getting into these characters and characters are important to me too. Um, and like, as I was, I don't know, have any of you guys read Middlesex? Yes. Unfortunately, no. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) So I, yeah, I love Middlesex. Middlesex is like one of my favorite books of all time. And I couldn't help thinking like, as I was reading this, that I don't know, this was sort of similar to Middlesex to me and like the way that it's laid out because you're dealing with like different generations I don't know, and like a different culture. So I don't, for some reason, it reminded me of Middlesex. And so as I was reading this, I was trying to figure out like, what is it about Middlesex that like really works for me? That's like not happening in this book. I don't know. Is that an unfair comparison to make? I don't think it's unfair um, to make that comparison. I definitely can see the similarities. Um, I think maybe the, the major difference between this book and Middlesex is that Middlesex sort of like the main, your main point of view in that book is like a young person. And I think mm-hmm. in this book, we're, like, kind of seeing – we do get point of view from young people, but we also get a lot of point of view from, like, two aging men. And yeah. that's, like, something that I can see as a reason why you might not, like, connect with it as much because – Yeah, and now that you bring that up, um, you know, Middlesex is a book that's, like – it's definitely Cal's story. Yeah. Um. Whereas with, like, with White Teeth, I'm not sure whose story it is. Like, I don't, like, I don't know who I was supposed to be connecting to. And so, for me, like, I didn't really care about anybody in particular. They all just sort of seemed like vehicles for plot um, and humor more than, like, people that I cared about. So, um, I mean, I haven't had a lot of time to sit and think about what it is that made me not respond to this book i feel like i would have a better answer maybe like in a month after i have time to think about it but that's just sort of like what's coming to me having like just finished reading it today so (laughs) that's my long answer (laughs) how many stars oh you said three oh i said three yeah i give it for importance to literature i give it four out of five because i see how it's important Especially because it's dealing with immigrants and the immigrant experience. But in terms of like how much I just personally liked it, it's hard, like two and a half (laughs) out of five. I I mean, not to say like I didn't like it because like you guys said, there are funny parts and there are characters that I really enjoyed. Like I really liked Irie and I really liked the twins and the whole subplot with this scientist and his weird family was enjoyable. (laughs) <laughs> but, yeah. but 
on the whole, especially when Samad and Archie would start talking about the war, I would just be like, <laughs> Yeah. Oh. Why I just is made this happening. <laughs> I hate I hate war stories. Yeah, I kept thinking about that while I was reading it, especially there's a whole section where it's like a flashback. Oh, and I was just yeah. thinking about I Emily because just... I know that she hates war stories. I hate it. I hate it. I also that part. I also think part of my part of my being put off by it is about halfway through the novel it seems like Zadie Smith realized I'm writing a really important novel. And so the ideas became more abstract in a way and there were these short snippets of like author intrusion where the the author would like step in or the narrator would step in and say something that seemed uh opinionated and not just objective so it's almost as if she realized halfway through this is a really important novel and i'm telling a story that needs to be told and patting herself on the back for it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which, I mean, obviously it was important because it won so many awards and was so well-received, but important doesn't necessarily always mean pleasurable, because that's more yeah. subjective. Yeah, I think I would I would probably give it three stars. Um, it's probably the best written book that we've read yes. so far. Um, and I don't just mean out of this and here I am that everyone else knows that we've read, but we've also, before we were a podcast, we were just a regular old book club and, <laughs> and we read, we read like books. five or six other books. And this is probably better. Like the couple next door. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I mean, I write better than that, but, um, yeah. oh girl, we all do. <laughs> I do. And I, I have, have never I have... studied like <laughs> writing. In Listen, I have read from things that all of you guys have written. Y'all y'all are just geniuses. I really can't wait for Mary to share her poetry with the world. Oh gosh. Her bachelor she doesn't know she's a poet yet, but she is. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead, Susan. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, so I I mostly have positive reactions to it. Um and I really Mary, what you just said was interesting about um author intrusion and realizing she was writing an important book because I did feel like about halfway through or a little over halfway through I became less engaged for some reason mm-hmm. and I have not really been able to put my finger on what it was because it's not that it's not really that the story became less interesting or anything but maybe it maybe it was something I was picking up in the tone or some kind of self-consciousness on part of Zadie Smith but um yeah, as far as character stuff, I I did care about the characters, and I like war stories, so I was Me like too. pretty. I was into the flashbacks. Actually, those were um, guys. That please was don't kind pick of any war books. Where I first, uh, I can't we're reading the promises. things they carried next. <laughs> Followed by All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, <laughs> no, but um, when that first flashback happened, where we see um, Archie and Samad meet and they're war experience that was actually where I first started really like getting into it and kind of moving along more quickly and um so yeah Emily I strongly disagree with you there but (laughs) you're gonna have a private text message chat where you can argue I I like (laughs) struggled through that chapter so that's so funny yeah Yeah. (laughs) but um also the character I think I cared about the most though in general was Clara um Mm, yeah. And I thought her backstory 
And we only got a little bit of it, her story before she meets Archie, but I was really interested in that too and her religious upbringing. And I just thought she was a really fascinating character. And I wanted, I kind of wanted this to all be Claire's story, which it wasn't, but in my head, there's like a sequel out there that's like what she does next. Yeah, because she does sort of, like, drop off at a certain point where it becomes yeah. more about um, Irie and the twins. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, you still continue to get the other adult stories, but you don't really get hers as much. And that was a little yeah. bit disappointing because I thought she was really great, too, and would have liked to hear more of what was going on for her, like, internally during everything, mm-hmm. you know, that happens. She's got a weird life. Her life is very strange. Yeah. <laughs> all of their all the lives way through. are strange. Yes, yeah. true. So, okay, those are our reactions. So I have, like, a couple of uh, talking points. Um, And the first one is the concept of the past as the present. And so this book starts off with, what do you call that, like, little page before, if someone puts, like, a quote or something? Is there a name for that? Epitaph. Epitaph. There is an epitaph. Epitaph is on a tombstone. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's an epitaph. Yeah, let's please get this right so that people aren't like, you guys think you know literature? You can't even get that? Yeah, you guys are supposed to know this. This is not my responsibility. For sure not an <laughs> That's epitaph. True. That is like in the Oregon Trail, the thing you stop and they're like, after you all die, oh, they're like, okay. would you like to write yeah. your epitaph? Oh my god. Okay, well, whatever it's called, um, uh, there is a page at the front of the book before the book starts <laughs> That has a, it's not the dedication, it is after the dedication. And on that page, it says, um, what is past is prologue, which is apparently an inscription from the Washington, D.C. Museum. Um, And it's used, I guess, as a preface for the story. And I just wanted to talk about how, um, like, the relevance of that, because I had forgotten that that was there. Uh, And so then when I was flipping back through trying to, like, you know, figure out what we should talk about, I saw that again, and I was like, that's really interesting, because it really does, like, this whole book is sort of about, like, how the past, like, doesn't ever go away, and is sort of, like, a permanent part of of everything that happens after it, and, like, the the significance of history. Um, and, like, one of, one of the things that uh, that really comes through in is, like, the character of Samad, his, like, complete obsession with history, especially he has... He has this great grandfather, um, who he uh, like, <laughs> yes, Pandy, um, <laughs> who he idolizes, even though history sees Pandy as like you know a traitor, essentially because of you know an event that we don't have to describe because it doesn't really matter. What matters? In fact, oh yes, Pandy. A Pandy is a slap on the wrist. Oh, interesting. Mm. Well, and I thought it, there was another part later in the book where someone accuses him. I think it's Irie, who, either Irie or Alsana, I'm not sure which one did it, said it, but accuses him of pandying instead of, like, pandering. <laughs> and I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but, yeah, he's, like, obsessed with with this man who is, like, a part of his own history and sort of, like, holds him up as this, like, ideal and is, like, I have to, you know make people understand that he wasn't a traitor. He was actually, like, a hero. And, like, why is that so important to him? I think, and this is just, like, me sitting on my armchair of psychology. (laughs) I think there are two types of people. There are people who love history in the past and their personal family history in the past, and they become obsessed with it and constantly 
um, try to research it and describe it and find out more. So like for my, my dad, for example, loves our family history and like could tell you generations back who we were all related to and who fought in the civil war and where they were from, etc. But then there are people who just don't care. <laughs> it's more about um, how they shape themselves as people, not about the family before who shaped them. So like me, for example, I have no connection to this uh, family history and don't know much about it. So when he brings it up, I just think, oh, well, whatever. So I guess in this situation, my dad is like the Samad and I'm the twins just saying, whatever, dad. (laughs) I'm going to be in a radical (laughs) cult now. (laughs) I think he holds it as like his, because he seems to, I mean, he regrets being in England, and I, I think he holds that as his, like, real piece of Indian and Bengali history. That's for sure something he can have, because he isn't really making any of that for himself, and I think he wants to, but he's become ang- anglicized? Anglicanized? What's and he word? works at a curry shop. Like, he's not yeah. doing anything yeah. important with his life. It's like an anglicized curry shop, though, too. Yeah. yeah. Where it's mm-hmm. like English people's idea of an Indian restaurant is kind yeah. of how it's described. So, yeah, I think he holds on to Pandy as like, no, I am this I am this Indian person. I am this devout Muslim. I am all of these things, but I'm not but really. But he's not, he's not Indian because he likes Bengali. He's, he's, he's Bengali. Bengali. Yeah. Because he corrects people. Yeah, but then he's also there is like, a formerly Pakistan, formerly, yeah, yeah there's like a whole, da, 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 da. but yeah. so, doesn't yeah. he describe Pandy as, isn't it Pandy Indian? Or is that not correct? I don't remember. I think so. <laughs> I, I feel think like so. they talk about India while they're talking about him, but maybe that's just another instance of them like conflating India and Bengal. And yeah, Pakistan. <laughs> are, are we, I feel like I'm. I'm so worried with this book that I'm gonna say something that's gonna make me sound like the stupid white American I am. <laughs> I just didn't even know how to say anglicized or anglicanized. So yeah, Go for it. no. I but I think like that's a big issue in this book, right? Uh, for him and I guess like in his family as an extension of that is like he's so worried about the anglic. Kidnization. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I think like that's a huge like I guess that's what Susan's saying, but like that's a huge part of like why he's so obsessed with history is like to sort of like fight back against that. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think he is just like a really sad character, which is funny because it's like the same thing that we said about um Jacob in. He Here reminded me of Jacob a lot. Yeah. Actually. Oh yeah. There are actually quite a few parallels in this book to Here I Am. Um, especially in he he also reminded me of Tamir in some ways in his uh, you know, obsession with like what homeland is and what does it mean to be a true Muslim. Um, you know, and his like very specific requirements for himself and his ideas of what his son should be. Um and, you know, that gets him into a lot of trouble, especially, which we can talk about later, because this is, like, one of the most interesting things, I think, but the fact that he sends away one of his twins. Which is insane. Right. So can you explain that to the um, listeners who maybe yes. didn't read the book? So he sends away one of – so he has twin sons, which we talked about earlier, but he sends away one of the twins, but not the other one. And it's sort of like a kidnapping 
Yeah, he doesn't, he does not tell his wife. Um, so basically, like, what leads him to, to this conclusion that he has to do this is, like, this whole series of events in which he cheats on his wife, first of all, with the music teacher Poppy. of Poppy, <laughs> Poppy Burt Jones. The music I love that name. <laughs> I know. She's like so English. <laughs> but um yeah. she she's the music teacher at his uh at all of the kids um elementary school. And so they start this affair. He feels extremely guilty because he knows it is so unmuslim of him to be engaging in these like carnal pleasures and whatever else. And so instead of like like trying to punish himself for it he decides that he's going to like oh i'm gonna save my son but i'm gonna just do one of them because it's too much to send them both which is just like so absurd because first of all like the entire thing is absurd but second of all like they're twins they're children and like they you know twins are i mean maybe this is speaking too widely about twins but my mom is a twin and um, there are I have like sisters who are twins. Okay, so like I've seen the Parent Trap. So. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All you <laughs> really need of is to have seen the Parent yeah. Trap. Um, <laughs> but twins have this like closeness, you know, from because they are together from the moment they're born. You know, it's like it's and it's a different kind of closeness than you have with you know your mother who you're born out of or whatever because you like shared space with this other person you come into the world you grow up together um and so he splits them apart at this like crucial stage in their upbringing and that has like huge consequences on his whole family on both of his sons but yeah like the reason that he sends and the one that he sends away he has to like decide which one he's going to send away so there's two two twins and two twins <laughs> of course there's two two, of them. two boys who are twins. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's two boys and um so one of them his name is Majid. He is like very like intellectual, like super into science and math and a huge nerd and what they're like I think they're like 9 or something, 8 or 9. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. mm-hmm. at this point and so that's one of them. He's like very straight-laced sort of like kid and then the other one is already like a troublemaker. And is, like, the opposite of his brother. Like, he, you know, he's, like... Wants to play his Game Boy. Yeah. He's loud and he's lazy and he's whatever else. So, um, you know, he's trying to decide, would it be better if I send away the one that misbehaves to try to straighten him out? Or should I keep an eye on him here and send the other one away because the other one has a better chance of... And he ultimately decides to send away Majid, the quote-unquote intellectual one, because he has a better chance of, like, becoming the true, like... Muslim Bengali like human that he so wants his sons to grow up to be like this perfect example of what you know a true Bengali Muslim is and so he does that doesn't work and it doesn't work (laughs) (laughs) it is it does not work at all so the moral of the story is don't kidnap your son in the dead of night and ship him off to a different Oh, yeah. Country. I didn't even say that. That what happens is he he doesn't tell his wife that he's going to send, like, the son away to live with the other part of their family in Bangladesh. He's just like, all right. Uh, he, like, coerces Archie into helping him, like, kidnap the children. <laughs> Poor Archie. The the Poor dumb Archie. I know. Archie's such an idiot. But we can get into that later, too. <laughs> But he, like, convinces him to, like, you know, pick up the kids. And then it's supposed to be that he just picks up – he he's really only supposed to take Majid, but then all of the kids wake up, so they all have to get in the car. 
And then they all go to the airport and then they send Majid off and he ne- like never comes back until the end of the book. <laughs> and it's just like, it's really messed up. And the reason Samad does it, like, we're unclear because it doesn't actually make any sense, but basically because he's trying to hold on to some kind of, like, sense of identity, I guess. Right. Like, cultural identity. Yes. Yeah. I also wanted to talk about, as far as the past goes, um, we mentioned that a whole chapter during World War II, um, where Archie and Samad are, you know, they're like... I don't even know what is going on, but I guess the war is over and like, but their car has died and they've been like, they don't know it's over. Yeah. The like their, their whole like group has been ransacked and they're the only two people left alive. They're in this like tiny town and their car isn't working and their radio is like, no one's like coming through. So they're just like hanging out in this little town, like completely unaware that the war is over. And so basically what happens is like, through a series of events, um, they come upon this um, doctor who has been, like, holing up in this town. And he's a he's a Nazi doctor. He's, like, developed science and technology for, like, horrible Nazi purposes. Dun, dun, dun! <laughs> yeah. But he's, like, really sick. Um, they go in and get him out. And on the, on the premise that they're going to take him to be put on trial for his crimes and all this stuff. But anyway, Samad is, like, on drugs and decides... <laughs> Heavy drugs. He's just, like, doing opium <laughs> that he found on the floor. And he's like, uh, you know what, Archie, you need to prove to me that, you know, you actually care about anything and you're a man. You need to kill him. Like, for... I mean, there's there's nothing like some floor drugs. Yeah. To get you real going. <laughs> yeah. He just, like, scoops him up, like, from the floor of, like, an abandoned hospital, by the way. He's like, we're... <laughs> Like that's disgusting, dude. No wonder. At the en- at the end of that chapter, he's like falling over. He's like throwing up, and he's like, "I'm f- I'm fine, really." And it's like, dude, no. You should not have eaten drugs off the floor. Yeah. Why did you do that? But yeah, he ultimately Archie goes off into the distance with this Nazi doctor, presumably to kill him. He comes back a couple minutes later. He has like a gunshot wound in his leg. Samad is like, looks at him assumes that Archie killed the doctor is like no questions asked we're BFFs forever now we've been forever bonded by this experience and then you think that that's just it but then at the very end of the book it turns out spoiler (laughs) sorry spoiler oh yeah I (laughs) mean spoilers just (laughs) the whole thing is spoilers um anyway at the very end of the book we find out that through like, they all get together at this weird future mouse convention, which we, we can yeah. also get into later. It's so bizarre. And I, I, I feel like future mouse should be, like, a techno DJ band something. <laughs> yeah, like dead and mouse. It's like, it just, yeah, it's like, man, we're at this future mouse concert. Totally. But no, it's not. Future it's mouse. It's just a science thing. But anyway, go ahead. So... It turns out that someone who was working on Future Mouse is actually the doctor from so long ago who managed to escape or whatever. And it turns out Archie didn't kill him. Um, what happened was Archie got shot yeah. and dude ran away. Yeah, The well, whole what- end of the book is such a blur for me. So some of this I'm like, really? It's super – yeah. It's like – so they, they go in and, and – 
and they see him and they identify him because a he obviously has the same name and they're like that name sounds familiar and then he like he has this condition where he cries blood <laughs> his tears okay, are like not, is that a thing i don't know <laughs> i don't know i feel though. like that's only a thing like creepy super villains do but why was he crying in the first place i think it's not that he's actually, actually crying. crying i think it's, it's just, just like excreting oh, it's just yeah so he leaks blood yeah, out of his, out of his eyeballs, eyeballs. Mm-hmm. um so anyway they see that they realize it's the same dude Samad comes back inside after trying to stop people from, like, chanting for religion outside. He comes back inside. He sees the dude. He looks at Archie. He's like, fuck you. (laughs) There's just, like, a whole thing. But anyway, my point in describing this entire situation is to say that, like, when that happened during the war, during that whole war scene... Archie and Samad are like, we're now bonded forever. And they're, they are like, they're really close. Their families become really close. They are like best friends forever. And then they find out that like this thing that happened is no longer true. So like, what is that? What do you think that means for their friendship? I don't think, uh, I don't think Samad really cared. Right. Cause he's like, it just changes the story they tell it doesn't really like change the fact that they had this experience together yeah but also it it turns out that it was a lie because they had this experience but like archie led him to believe something that wasn't true and then for like the rest of their lives it's like i i was with you during like a deeply personal thing where you killed a man and it's like he didn't kill a man though he I ran mean, away well now time. it's a deeply personal thing where you got shot and the man ran away yeah at the same time know. was it ever unclear that archie did not kill him i mean i think it was the floor drugs yeah maybe leading samad to believe that dr sick had been killed because even the, the book even you know when they just des- when it's described the first time is sort of ambiguous yeah. about it yeah and I was thinking when I read that, oh, he definitely didn't kill him. Yeah. I mean, right? I, I mean, he shot in the leg and he's also Archie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> More importantly, he's Archie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he couldn't even kill himself. So. Yeah. Like, there's also that thing. Too soon. And always flipping a coin <laughs> to make his decisions about what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that was interesting. So, like, when he's getting ready to kill the doctor, he's like, well, maybe I won't do it. Let me flip a coin and see, like, I'm Two-Face from <laughs> Batman. Um, and he, like, flips the coin and he, he like, he was like, I wasn't going to kill you anyway. Why'd you have to shoot me? Damn it. Yeah. He's like, see, it's Tails. It's fine. It's Tails. Yeah. Oh, Archie. Yeah. So I don't know. Did we answer your question? I don't even know. I don't even remember anymore. I think, oh, yeah. Okay. So, like, the question was, like, does this change their friendship and affect their friendship? And my response, I, I don't feel like it. I don't think it does. Yeah. I think, like, if if it hadn't been that, it would have been something else that, like, bonded them together. Yeah. I just um, think it's interesting because um, Samad places so much emphasis on, like, the past and on historical events and the accuracy of them, like, the whole Pandy thing. So it's, like... You know, does he suddenly now see Archie as, like, someone who is less honest or, like, less, I don't know. But but I think you're right. Like, he shouldn't. Yeah, I mean, he had an affair with Poppy, so. Yeah. Poppy. At the Poppy. same time, he, Samad, places, 
like all his faith and trust on Bangladesh and traditions and his faith. And there are a lot of times in the novel where he is openly saying really nasty things about English people. And Archie is very English. Yeah. And so in in a way, it's like, can Samad ever fully open himself up to that friendship because Archie is English? Yeah. It's like he he puts himself in the place that he, like, most resents and becomes best friends with, like, the person who most exemplifies all of the things he hates about England. (laughs) Yeah. And then he has an affair with a really English lady. Oh, Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. (laughs) So is, is Joyce... Chalfin? Chalfin? Is that how you say I guess so. Her name? Is she more English? They are Jewish, so it might be Chalfin. 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 Okay, so <laughs> she's not more English Halfen. because she's Jewish. I don't know. I, I just... No the, the gardening thing just felt very English to me. Yeah. It feels very English, but there's so much else going on with them, it's like hard to decipher. They were such a late addition to the novel, too. Like, to be be as important as they became, like, for them to be introduced that late, I was like, what? Who are these people? And what are they about? So we should explain to people who haven't read it that, uh, what is it, probably, like, two-thirds of the way through the book? As as the book uh, transitions from being about Archie and Samad and their friendship to being about their children... Mm-hmm. The twins and Irie and their sort of like adolescence and growing up. This family, the Hoffins. <laughs> I feel like that's probably so wrong. It probably <laughs> is. It's probably just like uh, Chaffin. That's fine. Chaffin. The Chaffins okay. appear <laughs> as sort of a surrogate family for. It's okay. The elephant in the room, I think, is how to pronounce the other twin's name. Milot. 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 Is that okay? Yes. Maybe. I don't know. That's how the audiobook author or near author, like it was a different author for the audiobook. <laughs> the, the the reader said Malat and Majid, but I I was um, thinking Majid in my head. Like thinking, that yeah, sounds like but, a lie, but okay. But um, well, Malat. To be fair, I'm about to make a lot of people really mad. But to be fair. The uh, the um, narrator of the audiobook was very very British, and British people famously like to mispronounce things. <laughs> well, yeah, so. vitamin, <laughs> yes, schedule, leisure, taco. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so so as the book transitions from being about Archie and Samad's friendship to being about their children, Milat and Irie in England. And sort of their friends, and also to some lesser extent, extent what Majid's doing in uh, Bangladesh. We get this family, the Chalfins, who are introduced as sort of a way for Milat and Irie to reform themselves. <laughs> Which this sounds insane to me. <laughs> this is so Essentially, funny. <laughs> they smoke pot at school, and they're caught with the Chalfins' oldest son, Joshua, who is a dungeons and dragons player they don't call it dungeons and dragons it's like goblins and ghouls or something it's dungeons and dragons um so they get caught with him smoking pot and he's sort of innocent in it the principal says oh of course joshua comes from a good home both of his parents are scientists or sort of scientists so you guys should go study with them after school and they will reform you and you'll all be super smart it's so messed up 
It goes really badly. But they do it. <laughs> Everyone apparently agrees to it. Um, although Clara and uh, Samad and Alsana seem really perturbed about it later in the novel. Yeah. But the Chalfins are the strangest, I argue, best <laughs> thing about the book. Because we've got uh, Joyce Chalfin, who is this mom who just wants to feel needed. Mm-hmm. She just wants every child to love her. And she's really into gardening. She's really into gardening. She's got a big booty. Well, she's like a botanist, essentially. Yeah. Like, she has published... Yeah, big booty botanist. Yeah, and they she's... They talk about big... her butt all the time. Yeah. It's like when it's it, when it sort of slinks into Marcus's point of view, Marcus, her husband, it's all of a sudden, like, her giant boobs and her big ass. Yeah. Her pillowy <laughs> breasts. It's like, damn. <laughs> Chill, dude. R- Marcus Chalfin, my favorite... Is making this weird freak mouse science experiment. Future mouse! Future mouse. Somewhere in their house. And, and I did not follow all of Future Mouse, but it was something about like being able to turn off and on certain genes that would dictate how a creature would live its life. So you could say, at this age, the creature's going to have this. It had to do with cancer cells, correct? See, this is where some of the stuff started getting, like, less engaging for me, but weren't they, like, putting cancer or carcinogens yeah. in mice? Yes. To, the, like, the, monitor the mice the had tumors hanging off of them. As all mice of the future will. <laughs> Emily. <laughs> what? Emily just um, lifted the book and opened it with her face. She's, like, reading the book <laughs> right now. Just. <laughs> yeah, Emily hasn't finished reading. She's got to quickly. <laughs> no. I, I was looking for the section where they like uh, they include an excerpt from her book. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, it's it's real bad. So from Joyce's yeah. book. But yeah, from Joyce's book. So excuse me, there, I was trying to find some textual evidence. There's also a great part where she's like, uh, Irie overhears her on the radio being interviewed about something like garden related. It's just like whenever it slips into the perspective of Joyce, she really is sort of like. Just like manic, <laughs> she had, yes. she's like a manic yeah. gardening mother, like who just really, really needs someone to need her. Like Mary was saying earlier, and you know her children basically like it, they are presented as like an idea of a perfect family because Joyce and Marcus are very much in love, and sort of yeah. I mean, at the beginning. <laughs> Supposedly they are, but then you're like, are they or are they just, like, comfortable? Like, they have a good partnership, but I'm not sure that they're, like, you know, romantically in love anymore. Marcus Um, is in love with that booty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's one part where where he's kissing her, like, on the neck, and it says something like, she accepted his kisses like a girl accepting kisses from her friend's younger brother <laughs> or Gross. something like that like what yeah. like, like he's annoying but i guess i'll take it like or like the face a cat makes when you try to kiss them yeah <laughs> um so is the name of this episode yes. in love with that because yeah. <laughs> i think it should be or future mouse exclamation point tm <laughs> yeah <laughs> the thing about the, the i keep saying it different every time the chaffins the chaplains um, chaffin i think of, that's the Chalfins. The, the, the thing about the Chalfins... I like Chalfin because it rhymes with dolphin. The thing about the Chalfins <laughs> is they are a, a nice juxtaposition because we have Archie and Clara who are sort of like an English slash Jamaican family, right? 
this mixed cultural heritage. We have Samad and Asana who are from Bangladesh and are sort of traditional in the ways of their culture. And then we have this just straight up British family, although they're Jewish, but they don't seem to practice really. Like they mentioned being Jewish, Jewish, but they don't seem to ever practice any. Yeah. It seems like they're secular. Yeah. Well, as Susan explained in the last (laughs) full episode, you don't have to practice to be Jewish. It's more just like a a state of mind. No, it's not. It's more just like a, were you born Jewish? You say, I don't know. I didn't learn very much. (laughs) After I went on and on for 20 minutes about it, you did. (laughs) Hey, I, I took, I took away a little bit. I was like, just stop talking about it, Susan. No. (laughs) Oh my god, we know you're Jewish, Susan. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she does this every god, time. I didn't even bring up. She's the one talking about Judaism. I'm just sitting here drinking my they, coffee. They're, they're a weird juxtaposition to these other families because they the really... Jewish dolphins. Go ahead. They really don't have any culture to harken back to, so they just lean on science. And... Uh, they They quite literally look towards the future with Future Mouse... Yeah. And instead of looking back to the past. And they both sort of take on like paternal or parental <laughs> roles um for the children uh in other families. Like yes. Joyce takes on actually they both take on one of the twins, basically. Um I mean Joyce would like to take on one Oh of the twins. my god, it is so creepy. She is so obsessed with him. She's so obsessed with um, Malat, who, as we have said, is the one who stays and uh, is a kind of a troublemaker, who then later um, becomes, like, part of this, like, radical Muslim group. Kevin. Ke- called Kevin. Okay, I <laughs> Their love acronym that is called Kevin. Kevin, because that is, like, the whitest white guy name yeah. ever. And <laughs> it's a radical Muslim group. It's, it's so like, funny. It sounds so... Kevin. <laughs> That's my favorite thing about the whole novel is that it's all Kevin. <laughs> well, yeah, and there's a part where they bring it up to, like, when Irie first hears about it, and she's like, they, they, he says, like, what the whole name is, and she's like, so, Kevin. And they're like, yeah, we, <laughs> we know, know it's a problem. <laughs> we know we have an acronym problem. When we first started reading this, my roommate, Rebecca, said to me, so have you met Kevin yet? <laughs> And I was like, who's Kevin? Like, we, I think we've been introduced to all the characters. And she said, no, Kevin's not a thing. A person. It's a... It's a state of mind. Entity. Oh, my God. And then when I finally got to Kevin, I was just like, ugh. Why? Actually, I think my favorite character was probably Malat. Like, I loved hearing about him and all of his like misadventures and being like a terrible person like i thought he was really his sexcapades yeah his sex how he was sleeping with four girls but he really loved the one yeah and then he was like wait no like i can't be with her because she's i don't even remember what his reasoning was but it was very teenage boy. well he was like she's she's dressing like a slut oh yeah it was really cool and Allah wouldn't like it <laughs> he's He's, like, the worst, but also, like, you understand exactly why he's the worst. And he wants to fit in. Yeah. And also just, like, the the fact that, like, so much of 
his personality is like based on what happened to him when he was a kid when his brother got taken away from him and just this like hole that he's trying to fill basically where his brother is used to be and like a majid sized hole (laughs) who's exactly the same size as him so he's a whole hole (laughs) (laughs) what the what the listeners can't see because they can't see anything that we can see right now but i'm just watching kelly's cat in the background yes <laughs> of her video she just, she just keeps moving around and cuddling up. up and she's so <laughs> cute i'm like can we talk about the cat but no she just yawned it was so sweet <laughs> we're just having a little mini <laughs> cat break in the middle of our review be sure to put that in the table of contents cat break this has been cat corner with penelope (laughs) back to you mary the catty corner (laughs) oh yeah the catty corner there are sadly no pets here with me just just strange dolls here (laughs) maybe you should try petting one of them (laughs) i don't i don't want to i've seen enough horror movies i know (laughs) (laughs) i just I just realized that someone added future mouse as like the last <laughs> That was me. In all caps. <laughs> that was me. Future Mouse. I anyway, wanted okay. to talk about Future Mouse because it genuinely scares me. That is it's such a thing that oh, is gonna yeah, happen. Like it's very like believable. selective. Yeah. Um it's almost a thing now. So Do you know something we don't know, Emily? No. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, as I was saying about the twins, at a certain point, it like around the time that they get separated, there's a little sidebar that sort of explains some of the experiences Mm -hmm. that they share, even though they're far apart from each other. Um, And I really liked that because I'm I find like twins really fascinating. And every time there's like twin focus um, in a book or something or TV show or whatever, I just love twins. Um, maybe because my mom is one. I don't know. Aww. And it's Mother's Day today when we're recording. Happy Mama's Day, Mama. Uh, apparently her friend showed her how to download podcasts, so hopefully she's going to listen to this. But anyway. Thanks, Kelly's mom. Um, Thanks, Mama. Uh, anyway, yeah, I, th- I find it really fascinating that they have these, like, mirrored experiences. Like, they both break their noses around the same time. They both, um... They both have near-death experiences at the same time, and they're both, like, connected, um, I guess, permanently, obviously, because they're twins, but they just, like, have these little things that happen, and they're so far away from each other, and I think, like, the way that they both turn out says a lot about, like, what can happen to a person when they, like, lose something that important so young. For sure. It's it's really funny, I have to say, that all of you guys were frozen at the same time on my screen. Like, I could still hear you, but you were all frozen. You were all smiling. And it was really <laughs> creepy. <laughs> we weren't frozen. We worked that out ahead of time yeah. to freak you out. So. I was like, what, am I saying something funny? Like, why are they all smiling? And I realized you were frozen. <laughs> should, we, should we talk about the title? Yeah. Yeah, um, teeth are totally a huge part of this, and they come up again and again. First, just in the fact that Clara has no teeth. And a lot of the chapters are about, like, the chapter titles are about teeth, is just what I was going to say. 
Which is really about their actual roots, like their family roots. Which, like, Mm -hmm. that's the point where I think Zadie Smith Mm -hmm. was like, I'm being clever. (laughs) (laughs) I literally didn't even notice that. (laughs) Really? I only noticed because I thought it was going to be about a real root canal. (laughs) And then I was like. There's a chapter called Molars. And then there's one called Canines, the Ripping Teeth. See, yeah. she thought she was being clever. I, I like that. I don't dislike <laughs> it, but it's just part of me thinks she made, it's like she made a pun and she's sitting there smiling. <laughs> well, she was being clever. <laughs> so does someone want to explain like what the teeth, like, so what's that all about, y'all? What, why I could not tell you. What's so clever about it? But okay, so it's clever. So why is it clever? What is it doing? Well, (laughs) (laughs) yes, what is it doing? No, I I actually, I was, I was thinking about it and trying to like, like understand why, because it comes up in a lot of different ways. Like Clara doesn't have any teeth um, because she loses them from falling. And she starts out with these like really big buck teeth, which are like a source of, you know, she gets made fun of for them at school. And then Irie ends up having those same teeth. Um, and I guess, like, like the root canals and the concept of roots is something that could be drawn back to the teeth issue, because, like, this whole book is about, like, the immigrant experience and being torn up from your roots and then having to replant them and all of that. And there's a lot of stuff in here, not just about teeth, but about, like, the extraction of teeth, about teeth falling out. There's one there's one part where they're describing i think a war scene and there's like teeth all over the ground like teeth scattered on the ground that's my nightmare yeah is a war scene with teeth everywhere (laughs) because i also like have dreams i have nightmares all the time where my teeth fall out and so like (laughs) i always have nightmares where there's like weird there's like something between my teeth so i start pulling it out and then it turns out it's like muscle or something and i'm like pulling out all this like weird skin from between my teeth no yeah Yeah, i just like the thing about the thing about (laughs) teeth dreams is like i can feel the teeth in my mouth you know like i know what that feels like for the teeth to fall out and like be in my mouth not that that's ever happened to me before but like knock on wood but like so yeah that's like really terrifying to me and it's like all throughout here so in a way this is sort of like all the teeth stuff kind of freaks me out i'm not sure what i'm supposed to make all of it all i can though. really make of it is the connection to roots and ancestry and identity because you know i mean if you were to be murdered and your body was was all <laughs> you know unrecognizable your teeth right are sort of that last True. line of identity that you have but um, that's true because yeah. teeth are the only sort of like part of your skeleton that shows through which is yeah. kind of interesting yeah. that's too. really fucked up if you think about it too hard I love yeah. that if you happen to <laughs> be murdered I can murdered. see some of your skeleton <laughs> a lot yeah like if you were to see my skeleton my teeth would be the same yeah <laughs> Here, here is a preview every time you smile at someone it's just a preview oh, of your skeleton yeah, yeah see that that shit breaks me out, and um, maybe that's, yeah. I don't know, there's something about identity in there with, with teeth and, like, the sort of base level of your physical being or something. I'm not saying it very yeah. articulately, but that's really all I could 
grasp with well the whole novel is about identity oh, yeah i mean i know mm-hmm. that and the teeth <laughs> yeah. i know thanks mary I know you know i know that me how I didn't Don't worry, catch it. Mary's here with a super obvious <laughs> observation. Well, Susan, you dummy. Like, the whole, it's all if the about whole novel's identity. about identity, though, <laughs> the teeth just kind of weaves it together in a clever way. Yeah. I just imagine, I don't know what Zadie Smith looks like, but I kind of imagine her as the meme of the husky. She's the like husky. fucking beautiful. You haven't oh, seen she's, her? Yeah, she she's looks like, like some kind of writing goddess or something. So she's she's mixed race, yes? Yeah, she's yeah. A, so I read about her. She's actually um her mother is Jamaican and her father is English. Oh my god, so. is she Irie? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> I think I think that's that definitely informed my reading experience once I knew that cuz I looked I was curious And she's about from her. England too. So she has I mean, she's experienced that kind of mixed family upbringing with an immigrant parent in London. Totally. And somehow it it freaking worked for her because, like, at 23, to be that that yeah, great yeah. of a... Because, like, on a sentence level, that was probably... I mean, even when I got less engaged, like, on a sentence level, mm-hmm. I just loved reading her sentences. So that yeah. kind of, I guess, kept me going in the parts where I was like, oh, let's go. And she has a great, like, voice yeah. just, like, throughout. Mm-hmm. A really strong voice, mm-hmm. I think. And... I definitely want to read more of her work because... Oh, yeah. I'd really like to see where she... I mean, if this is where she's starting at 23, it can... <laughs> I mean, I can only assume it gets better yeah. from there. So there's probably a five-star yeah. book in there somewhere. I'm sure. <laughs> probably. That's it. I mean, I'm sure she'd be glad to hear that you think <laughs> so. I mean, she listens to this podcast. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, She shows promise, <laughs> this one. Yeah. You know? This was written in um 2001, so... <laughs> She was 23 quite a while ago. Okay, so she's older or than Or 2000, us. I think. She's older than us in general, but, like, she still wrote this at 23, and I didn't write a novel at 23. Mm-mm, I mean, me I wrote If stuff, I had, it wouldn't have been good. No one's talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't even – I couldn't even finish an entire novel because I'd just get distracted and go do something else, so, you know. Yeah. It's hard. She had a new book la- come out last year, though. Um, I think it's twenty sixteen. Yeah, with Swing Time. Yeah, yeah, Swing Time. I saw a bunch yeah. of people reading it on the train. <laughs> I would like to read that. I mean, based on I, she's, I would say would read again. This person would so. read again. So three stars, but I mean, would read again. If I could give it three and a half, I would, but I can't. Yeah, it's also so. like st- overall story and just quality of writing are two different things yes and that's why i'm saying like mm-hmm. my favorite thing yeah. is probably the the actual writing itself and not um right uh, in the same yeah. way that speaking of middlesex that that's something that i love about um the virgin suicides is just like yeah the most mm-hmm. beautiful sentences that i've ever read yeah i love he's like one of my favorite authors same yeah and i wouldn't even really care what that story was about because it's just, yeah. I love reading yeah. the actual words so much. Yeah. So, all right. So, is there anything else that we wanted to get to before we wrap up on this book? Future mouse. Future mouse. Future mouse. I just wanted to say future mouse again, honestly. But we do need to talk about the you want to talk future about- mouse, kind of bringing together yes. the final situation. As, as sort of a tangent leading into that final scene, 
I loved and became real. I mean, I loved Joshua from the beginning, Joshua Chalfin, <laughs> because he is a nerd who plays Dungeons and Dragons or goblins and ghouls or whatever. Whatever it is. Um, other life. <laughs> other life. <laughs> but I loved Joshua, but then I loved him even more when he became obsessed with this cultish pita like group of vegetarians and vegans. Yeah. I'm I'm I'm, I'm about it. I'm and bored. he's like also with a great acronym, another great fate. <laughs> acronym of a fate. fate. <laughs> I was on board. Yeah, well you're yeah. a member of fate, right? So <laughs> I am not a member of fate. <laughs> Although I do think the the future mouse should not have to have cancer. Yeah. That seems cool. Yeah. I also, they have this big philosophical discussion towards the end where they're like, what are we going to do? And they're like, well, we can't just free it because it's just one mouse. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't look as good. And then the other guy but is it like. it does get away, right? Like, and the other guy is like, oh, well, you wouldn't say that if it was just one human in a cage, would you? Yeah. <laughs> and and even true, though, though I acknowledge you know? that argument was like sort of ridiculous, I was like, it's true. Yeah. 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 But that, that one, the one mouse does get out. So yeah, I always I just always do that where I'm like, well, you wouldn't do this to a baby. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I mean, I like animals more than I like babies. So you wouldn't fry your baby. I wouldn't. (laughs) But I would consider frying a baby before I considered frying my cat. So (laughs) you can quote me on that. (laughs) Oh, Oh, I mean, it's recorded and will be everyone will hear it. Yes. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, we have to talk future math. So at the oh my gosh, <laughs> at the end of the book, uh, it all comes together in one stunning moment. When um, there is so basically, Marcus Chalfin has been working on his future mouse uh, for however long, and he's finally going to reveal it to the public as like basically almost like an art installation, but it's like a science exhibit where he's going to put Future Mouse on display for, I think it was like 11 years or something. And he has sort of like planned different things that will happen to the mouse in this time to like show like the capabilities of his genetic technology. Um, So he has enlisted um, Majid, who has come back from Bangladesh towards the end of the novel. Um, because because of Marcus, because he started this weird pen pal relationship with him after becoming, you know, after the families became close to each other, after Irie and Malat uh, became close with them. So Marcus and Majid have been communicating via letter for, I don't know, like two years or something. And then he brings um, Majid back because Majid wants to be a lawyer. Majid has is now an atheist and he has written off becoming or being Muslim and is just like, fuck that. Like, I want to become a lawyer. I'm moving back to England. So Marcus helps him come back and he sort of like enlists him to be his like lawyer for future mouse, future mouse's lawyer. <laughs> future mouse. <laughs> um, and assistant slash whatever. Irie is also an assistant, but she is just like totally like given the short end of the stick and nobody thinks she's like smart enough or capable of anything because of course, um, leading up to this big convention, like, several people catch wind of Future Mouse, 
as this idea and this technology. And there are various different groups who are against it. One of them being Kevin. Um, <laughs> Kevin the group. Uh, because they are <laughs> radical Muslims. They are, um, I mean, like any radical religious group, it's almost like a parallel to the pro-life situation where you can't alter with the plans of Allah sort of thing. Um, and you can't say that, like, as a scientist, you can improve upon his creation. So they have a problem with this. So they decide that they're going to, you know, do something crazy at this press conference that's coming up for Future Mouse before the Future Mouse exhibit opens. So they're planning on doing something crazy. Meanwhile, <laughs> um, Joshua Chalfin has joined Fate, the PETA-esque organization, and they are also staging an environmental terrorism attack or whatever you want to call it <laughs> on to free future mouse to free future mouse um or and or do something to marcus which they don't ever really say it's actually kind of scary they're like talking about they're like well should we focus on the mouse or the man <laughs> um so that's that's happening and then everyone is going to show up at this convention because like the parents like their kids are invested in this situation so they're like okay we have to go actually we never talked about her but niece of niece of shane shame niece of shame whose, whose name is nina and she is alsana's niece and she's basically like a cool lesbian and therefore like alsana's worst nightmare um yes. <laughs> <laughs> but she convinces everyone to go because she's like, you need to support your children. They're all involved in this thing. So we're all going to go. And then there's this like terribly uncomfortable bus ride with the entire family where Irie like yells at everyone for being assholes. And then they finally all get to the, you know, convention center. So the, everyone is there. Like the Iqbal family, the Jones family. Oh, also, meanwhile, we haven't really talked about this much, but Clara's mother, her name is Hortense, and she is a Jehovah's Witness. And has raised Clara to be a Jehovah's Witness, but of course Clara is no longer one. So Hortense and Clara's, like, ex-boyfriend from high school who has become her mother's weird caretaker. Um, that is super weird. So weird. But anyway, they are also guy. going to protest because God and etc. And so they go and don't have, like, a permit to get in or whatever, so they're standing outside singing. Um, so everyone shows up, the, the animal rights people, the Kevin people, all the families, everyone is in there, and Future Mouse, in a glass case. Doors close, press conference begins. Everyone has plans. Okay, so Kevin, their, their plan was originally going to be more radical, but then one of them got in trouble and got sent to jail, and they were like, well, we should probably keep a low profile, let's just quote some scripture. <laughs> and... Uh, so Malat, who is a part of Kevin, is like, that's not radical enough. He's also stoned. Yeah, he, so. he gets, he decides it's not radical enough, and then he gets remarkably stoned in order to be able to carry out his plan, which will come to light later. But anyway, so they're sitting in a certain section. The animal people have their plan, and they're sitting around, and Marcus starts talking. So the people are singing outside. Clara is like, you guys, like, my mom is out there. You gotta stop her. Like, I'm not going out there. Archie, you're closest. You go out. And then Archie's like, no, I don't want to go. Samad, you go out. And Samad's like, fine. So Samad gets up and he goes out to tell them to stop. <laughs> I don't want to go out because I'm Archie. Yeah. <laughs> Samad goes out to, to try to get them to stop, fails, and then comes back inside. As he comes back inside, 
Marcus, who is Future Mouse's father, <laughs> um, creator, <laughs> creator, is thanking a, a doctor slash scientist who helped him on the project and whose work was sort of like the beginning of this project. Um, and as he's talking, he says a name that sounds very familiar to Archie. We're in Archie's perspective. And suddenly Archie looks up and sees that the man happens to be that very same Nazi doctor with the tears, the red blood tears. Um, Dr. Sick. Um, so Archie's like, oh, <gasps> fuck. And he, like, turns to look just as Samad walks in. Samad walks in. Hold on. Let me see if I can just read <laughs> what it is that Samad says to him, because it's just, like, a whole string of profanities. <laughs> um, like, impressive yeah. profanities. Okay, wait. This is actually a lot of um, words that I'm not going to be able to pronounce. Uh, so he's busy cursing out Archie because he sees that um, that doctor is still alive, and it turns out that Archie lied to him for his whole life. Meanwhile, from the crowd, Malat stands up um, because guess what? He brought a gun, and he's going to shoot somebody. It's unclear who he plans to shoot. Was he going to shoot his father? Was he going to shoot Marcus? Do you guys have a, a thought on this? Was he going to shoot Marcus, Future Mouse? But... Was he going to shoot F- Future Mouse? I guess I assumed Marcus, but... Um... I assumed Marcus. Okay. Yeah. So, oh yeah, I mean, that makes sense. So he he stands up, is about to pull out this gun. Archie sees him doing it and runs between um, Malat's gun and the like, whatever person is going to get hit by it. And Malat pulls a trigger, and Archie gets shot in the leg again. Um, mm-hmm. And he's fine, like but, yeah, he stops the whole thing from happening. Meanwhile, the animal people are like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Our chance for the spotlight. So, yeah, all of these people come together in this one moment, and it's pretty crazy. And then it ends after that. So, but I thought it was really, I really was not expecting the World War II guy to come back into the picture. No. That was very surprising. And it was, yeah. I mean, it was like an action-packed ending in a way, and so much of the novel is just talking yeah. and dialogue and character development that it was sort of surprising to have an, an action scene. Yeah. But it was- With a gun! It was kind of fun. It was like- And a mouse. An action scene. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's funny because, like, Malat is obsessed with, like, gangster movies, and so his whole, ver- like, image of his himself is that he's going to bring this gun in and, like, you know, be, like, the godfather or something and kill someone. <laughs> and he talks about how he's remembering that scene in The Godfather where Al Pacino's in the bathroom, like, with the, with the gun trying to, you know, get himself ready to go out and shoot the people in the restaurant. And luckily, you know, he is essentially saved by Archie because Archie, like, takes the bullet and... You know, Malad is high as fuck and doesn't know what he's doing. And Archie is saved by a coin yeah. in his pocket, which is like a little too... A little too on the nose. Yeah. yeah. Not a fan of that. That's a little bit... I mean, still, would it have killed him without the coin? Maybe, because there's a lot of vital arteries in the groin area. That's true. I just wish he got shot and, and lived, but it, the coin I could have done without. Yeah. Since it was the, co- you know, since he flips this coin to make decisions, mm-hmm. and it's, like, all up to the flip of the coin, and then, like, oh, just by chance, the coin. Like, but, no. like, also fate and chance are another, like, crucial part of this book from the beginning. 
um, fate. I think it's enough that he gets shot two times and never and doesn't die either time, and that doctor is present both times yeah. miraculously. True. But I don't think the I don't know. It was just a little too like. Yeah, this too clean that he uses to symbolize chance and fate, but not fate. The animal <laughs> activist. <laughs> yes, excuse me. Sorry, maybe I should yeah, say destiny. That's what I was thinking. Like, <laughs> fate. Yeah, yeah. Kevin. Not F A T E, the acronym. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that was a little. That detail was like the one thing in the end that I was like, Ugh, yeah. No, I I agree with you there. Okay. Um. Well, that was a lot of summary. I feel like. Yeah. At the same time, it's kind of hard not to summarize because there are so many characters and so much going on. Yeah. It's almost impossible to talk about anything without summarizing I it. know. <laughs> so hopefully, if you were planning on reading this book, you decided to read it before <laughs> you listened to this part. Yeah. Well, I mean, also, we'll as see. we as we continue to listen to what people say and try to improve our podcast in the past something that listeners indicated was that we needed to do a little bit of summary for those who maybe haven't read the book and so yeah. we're finding the balance yeah yeah on it. so uh, so we're saying we'll like there. we're aware that that took about five minutes to explain but it was very complicated <laughs> so and future mouse was there yeah and future mouse that was makes there. it better yeah yeah if you didn't catch that future mouse was there so, if you have read this book, um, do you have opinions? Do you have comments? Do you have questions? Please feel free to email us at booksquadgoals at booksquad.inc. Yes, um, please do. Inc, I-N-K. Um, yes. You can contact us on social media. We have a Facebook page. Just search for Book Squad Goals. We are Book Squad Goals on Twitter and Instagram. Um, so you can find us there. Uh, where you can also find more information about us, what we're doing, um, our blog. Please check out our blog. Um, but yeah. I have some uh, feedback or some feedback, some questions, some discussion points um, from listeners from our last episode. Are we ready to go on to that part? Yes. Yeah. Feedback section. Okay. Feedback section time. <laughs> All right. Our first, <laughs> our first, um, comment. I'm going to say this is a comment. Uh, it's from Todd from Nashville, Tennessee. Todd. And Todd would like to know, yes, Todd would like to know why we did not mention the very, very important uh, Justin Bieber song, Beauty and the Beat, when we were talking about Beauty and the Beast. It was uh, an oversight. It definitely was an oversight. Yeah, we are sorry. That's a song about that. Yeah. <laughs> How does it go? It's Really? Shitty. You want me to do this? Yeah. All I need is a beauty and, and a beat. beat. <laughs> That's awful. Oh, yeah. It's, really it's not one of his better ones. No. Does he have better ones? Yes. <laughs> yes, he does, actually. Anyway, um, so there you go. I that's was not trying to get everybody to sing last time, and so I just sang it for you guys, and hopefully you enjoyed it. Todd, we um, are so sorry. Todd. All right. No, Todd so would do love we it. Have, Todd loves singing. I can feel it. Do we have any um, thoughts or opinions about this Justin Bieber song that we would like to add to the conversation about beauty and the yes. beast um, i would like to say that song's bad 
It is not yes. actually about Beauty and the Beast. Justin Bieber yeah. and or his writers just thought Beauty and the Beat sounded fun and clever. Yeah. And I, I don't agree. think it's actually about Beauty and the Beast. I think it's just supposed yes. to be like a pun. And I hate puns. So. Yeah. <laughs> and I hate also, Justin Bieber. And also Next it's comment. kind of like diminishing <laughs> to refer to a woman that you're dancing with as a beauty. Like uh, she is a full person. Like okay? who's singing this, Gaston? <laughs> Yeah, right? Like, who are you, Justin Bieber? Like, come on. All right. Oh, man. Tale as old as time. So this is the next comment, and this comes from Mary Kay in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, And this was sent to me as a text, so I'm just going to read her text, and hopefully I don't butcher this. There's some words in here I don't know. Okay? Um, So she says, she said she loved it when we pointed out um, that the girl is in love with a literal animal. Um, and we're, and when we were like, do we even need to say that that's gross? And she says, that's my favorite thing about the whole story. The fairy tale is based off the hirsute, mm-hmm. H-I-R-S-U-T-E. Am yep. I saying yep. that right? No. Yep. Okay. Man in rural Spain. So basically a feral child scenario. It's the werewolf man. Yeah. Um, that the royalty raised like a gentleman and then tried to breed to make more like him to give away as gifts. What? And mm. yeah. So, um, if anyone on the show is treated like a freak, it's the beast. In the cartoon, we never even learn his name. It's like somebody was typing out the credits and was like, um, how about Adam, the first man? Yuck, yuck, yuck. Truth. If you already knew that, my bad. So, um, she just wanted to share that information with us in case we didn't know. And she also sent me some pics. Um, so I will share that on Facebook and yeah. uh, uh, Instagram so everyone can see what Mary Kay sent me. Um, and she also said she was always, like, disappointed that uh, he turns back at the end. So how do we feel about that? Do we think about that at all? I, well, like, hirsutism, which I'm probably not saying that right either, but it's a condition where you're abnormally hairy. Mm-hmm. And some people call it, like, the werewolf syndrome. I mean, you're just very, very hairy. But I had no clue that Beauty and the Beast was sort of based on that tale because there's such a rich tradition of Beauty and the Beast tale types and fairy tales. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I'll have to look more into that because that is really interesting and yeah. creepy that, that they wanted to sell him. I'm less grossed out now. I do yeah. I do think about like what the how the movie would have been different if they hadn't had him change back at the end. Because I do think that that's sending a message like, you know, if you fall in love with someone who isn't physically attractive, like, you will be rewarded and they will become physically attractive. Which because is you crap. Them. Yeah. It's kind of, like, <laughs> not really a great message to send. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that, Mary Kay. And I can't wait to share those pictures with our listeners. Um, and I have one final uh, message from Grace, who... Uh, she used to live in Alabama, but she is now in Maine. Um, so a big move for Grace. What up, girl? She actually uh, wrote a blog entry in response to our last podcast about Beauty and the Beast. So if you want to check that out, her blog is at howtolearnyour20s.com. Um, and we'll put a link in the show description as well. Um, and I don't want to read the whole blog entry, but um, basically she's responding to my comment that uh and this is emily by the way in case you don't recognize my voice um my comment that i will own up to this comment 
that I felt that the Disney Cinderella that came out a couple of years ago was a better adaptation than Beauty and the Beast. Um, she makes a lot of really good points. Um, towards the end of her blog entry, she says, and this is her quote, essentially, I think Beauty and the Beast was a better development of storyline and characters, whereas Cinderella was a visual triumph and a study in near-perfect acting. Beauty and the Beast had better ideas, and Cinderella had the better execution. I wouldn't say I liked one better than the other, but I will absolutely defend 2017's Beauty and the Beast as being a solid new adaptation of a, quote, tale as old as time in its own right. Um, how I will also add that she says, while she disagreed with me about Cinderella, she does think that Emma Watson was terribly miscast in this and that nobody in this movie could fucking sing. So hell yeah, girl. Hell True. yeah, girl. True. All right. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's solid. I agree with her. It's a um, solid adaptation. I, I disagree in that, um, I think <laughs> Emily disagrees. Well, we know because this this response was in disagreement to what you already said. <laughs> I, I want to talk a little bit about I want to talk a little bit more about Cinderella though because I think that's where maybe um, we might be talking about two different things because I think she's thinking about it in terms of the original fairy tale and in that case mm-hmm. I will say like I think Beauty and the Beast did more to expand on the original fairy tale than Cinderella did. Cinderella is, for those of you guys who saw that movie, didn't you guys see that movie or is it just me? I saw it. Okay. I actually was the one who brought it up okay. because I was talking about the dress. Right. And that was how we got on the topic. Of okay, it. so the Cinderella movie is, I mean, it doesn't stray away very much from what we know of the original fairy tale. We get a lot more information about, I think, specifically the stepmother, um, which I found really interesting and made her sympathetic. However, when Grace and I were talking about it, because I did talk about this with her a little bit, she argued that the reason that we care more about the stepmother is because Kate Blanchett is playing the stepmother and she does such a good job, which yes. I think is very much a valid point. However, I was talking more about the Cinderella as an adaptation of a, of the cartoon version versus Beauty and the Beast as an adaptation of the cartoon version. Yeah. And if we look at that, I feel like the adaptation of Cinderella is very different from the cartoon version. It's its own adaptation of the fairy tale that's not wholly dependent on, you know, whatever sort of like nostalgia anybody has for the cartoon version. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that a lot of audience members that are going to go see these movies today don't have as much of a connection to Cinderella as they do to Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. I know I don't. Um, so yeah, I, I, I feel like um, when they were making Beauty and the Beast, they felt more like more of a need to uh, copy the cartoon to to make viewers happy and as sort of like a cash grab whereas like i didn't see cinderella doing that as much cinderella didn't seem as beholden to the cartoon so that's more of what i was talking about also the cinderella like the disney cinderella the animated version and i'm assuming the live action one as well are based on the fairy tale by charles perot but there are other cinderella stories that are extremely disturbing disney just chose not to base it on those and we can solidly say like the disney version is based on charles perot with beauty and the beast it's a little harder to narrow down a defining tale and disney did choose one to go with but man the beauty and the beast 
fairy tales are just real and very up. very different every single version of beauty and the beast that i yes. saw or read before the movie came out it's very different from the movie um that disney created so even Definitely. the cartoon version of cinderella is much closer to the original fairy tale it's yeah. dead on charles perot yeah Except for the, like, sisters getting their right. heels. Couple- yeah, whatever, whatever. But I mean, like, I I don't know. So I think that that makes it more complicated because Cinderella is, I think, an adaptation of the Perot fairy tale, whereas Beauty and the Beast is an adaptation of the cartoon Beauty and the Beast. Um, yes, So I, I think I think maybe Grace and I aren't disagreeing as much as maybe... She thinks we are, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just trying to, like, smooth things over. Maybe you just need to define Yeah, we just need to define our terms. I think what you're saying now is what I understood you to be saying in the podcast before, which was, like, we were comparing it to the cartoon versions of the same film and not original fairy tale. Because, I mean, that podcast would have been five hours long (laughs) if we had gone into, like... All the fairy tale yeah. versions of either of these. Yeah. It would have been four hours of me talking. <laughs> I'm not trying to dismiss Grace's argument. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. she makes some really good points. And if you want to check them out, you should go look at her blog because I'm not going to read the whole thing to I'm you. I'm excited right to read now. her blog. It sounds good. Yeah. And thank you so much, Grace, for paying attention to us and writing a blog post. Yeah. We are, we are so flattered. We're creating like this dialogue on the internet of just like ladies talking to other ladies about important things like fairy tales, <laughs> like, you know. Ladies doing cool yeah. things. Yeah. I hope you like The Bachelor because we got more to talk oh, about. coming Get there. ready, girl. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of, should we talk about what's coming up for us in upcoming yes. episodes? Yeah. So, um, in two weeks, we have a mini-sode, and I think we have decided we are going to do it on Guardians of the Galaxy. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God, guys. I loved, I love, I love Guardians of the Galaxy. That's all I'm just going to say. We don't want to know. I'm sorry. Don't let them know how you feel about it. I feel some kind of ways about Guardians of the Galaxy. You're just going to have to wait find out um and we also want to get into the bachelor or the bachelorette a little bit more so we might be doing a really really short uh look forward at what we can be expecting this season on the bachelorette and we convinced kelly Kelly. to watch it along with us no kelly's agreed to watch with us is kelly excited though he's gonna love it so i will be the voice of reason in the background while everyone else (laughs) is screaming (laughs) we'll probably just be screaming like yes rachel yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i like no why did they pick these terrible dudes i really hope they pick good dudes for her you're too good for him rachel i am all i am here to shit talk the dudes oh there will be so much shit talking the dudes in the i don't believe that true love will be found i just want to criticize i don't even watch it for true love except for rachel if you criticize rachel you you can leave Mm -hmm. no criticizing rachel no okay You can unsubscribe from this podcast. Yes. No, don't do that. Um, Don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. Stay. You can do whatever you want. Actually, instead of doing that, you could subscribe because we are now officially on iTunes. Um, We're on Stitcher. We're on Overcast. We're on anything that pulls from iTunes. Thank you so much if you've already subscribed and if you've written a review. We really appreciate it and we love reading them. And we're excited to hear more from you, thoughts and feelings. So email us. Yes. 
in four weeks. So our next, I'm like, how many <laughs> weeks? So our next book that we're going to be reading is one that I picked. Woo! Emily's So I, I guess I should like say something, like plug the book a little bit to get you guys to read along. Plug the book. So it's called, okay, so the, it's got a little umlaut thing over the O. So is that like horror stir? 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 I'm going to call it horror <laughs> oh, no. store. Yeah. Horror so, store. Yeah, me okay. too. So Horror Store by Grady Hendrix is our next book. And let me tell you why I chose this book real fast. Um, I chose this book because last year I read his book, um, My Best Friend's Exorcism. So good. Oh, I want to read that so bad. It's really good. I'm I'm not lying. I'm not exaggerating when I tell you that it was my favorite book that I read last year. Um, and you I read loved it, it so much. And, it, and told me to read it. And I immediately started reading it and read it maybe one day. Yeah. I was like, I, you need to read this so I can talk about it with somebody because I loved it so much. So oh my God, I'm going to go buy it like right after but this. But when we talked ah! about it, it was essentially just <laughs> us saying, I loved this and I loved that. And what about yeah. this part? <laughs> um, so I'll probably be writing a blog entry about that book at some point, um, probably before the podcast for this one comes out. But um, I'm... I don't know if this is going to live up to that book, but it looks really cool. It is designed to look like an Ikea catalog, um, and it's sort of like a scary story about a like haunted-type Ikea store or something. I don't know. I haven't started reading it, it yet, but that's so what cool. I'm getting. I got mine in the mail yesterday. Yeah, it's very, it's very well designed, so if you're into like – having pretty books that look nice on your yeah. bookshelf or that are interesting to flip through yes. this one for sure there are it, pictures. Is gorgeous. Yes. it was sitting on my coffee table after i got it in the mail and my husband saw it and he was like oh did you get a catalog of like <laughs> cool furniture or something and i was like no and he picked it up and he was like what is this <laughs> it's just like this is weird so he's been flipping through it too i think he might read along yeah. I mean, yeah. It just looks oh, really cool. exciting and cool. It looks I'm really cool it. and it's got like little furniture descriptions and they're like really weird. And they get weirder um, as they go, I noticed. So, so I don't I I'm not going to read them to you yeah. because I want it to be a treat for you, but just it it's definitely yeah. I feel like this is going to be a treat read, you know. Yeah. It looks really um, great. Yeah. It's going to be really so. fun. So we're excited to read this. We hope you will read along. Again, it's called Horror Store by Grady Hendrix. Um, and it'll be, we'll be doing a podcast about it in about a month. So that gives you a lot of time. Um, so please read along, please, before, uh, we record, we'll post on Twitter what the deadline will be for you to send us questions about the book if you do read it. Um, but please send us your questions or if you have thoughts about it or whatever, we would love to hear it. Um, we have a contact form on our website, but you can also email us at uh, booksquadgoals at booksquad.inc. You can check us out on social media, as I said before. We also have a blog, um, and we have each done a blog post now, and Mary has done two blog posts. Um, and mine so. will be up by the time this airs. Um, I am going to be posting, or I have posted, I'm going to pretend like it's up already. I have posted about <laughs> um, Marsha Clark of the O.J. Simpson trial. Um, I just wrote a paper about uh, the People versus O.J. Simpson, which was the television show that um, came out in 2716, I said. <laughs> <laughs> 2016. Guys, I told you, I'm so tired. It came out in 2716. I'm 700 years in the future. Um <laughs> 
But uh, I already wrote about it, even though it hasn't come out yet. No, it came out in 2016. It won a bunch of awards. um, And I am writing specifically about its portrayal of Marsha Clark. So if that sounds at all interesting to you, which, like, Marsha Clark is amazing. So I don't understand why. Yeah, she's, like, the best part of the whole. Yeah. The whole thing. So, like, go check out that blog entry that I will have. Posted. So you're just gonna post your like 25 page. Paper no, no, no. On the blog, I am. Right? I am. <laughs> I am taking that same information and writing a blog entry, which will be much shorter okay. and much more like reader friendly. Yeah. <laughs> and Mary also just um, has a a blog entry up that is about Riverdale and yes. the Archie comics and why you should maybe actually pay attention to yeah. them. You should. Um, it's great. I'm gonna go watch it now because. Yeah, yeah, I want to watch I, it, too. It's coming in Netflix, so maybe we can watch it together and eventually ooh, talk about it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Is that it? Um, I think that's it. Yeah. All right. We did we it. We did it. Yay. Yay. Bye. 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 Bye.